where are we going? You all know that the book of Ephesians, I've been living in it, and I can't do it the way that I've been doing it, but I want us to finish out my time with you getting through the book of Ephesians. Last, uh, Jordan, a couple of weeks ago, got to preach on a great section of But God. Chapter 2, the beginning four verses, where Paul lets us know who we are, that we're dead, that we're on a path that is the world's path, that it's got the path that Satan wants us to be on, and that our DNA is broken. That's who we are. God wants us to know what he starts with. He starts with a broken humanity. And so this morning, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 13 through 17, as we pick up. And so I want to ask you to stand. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2, 13 through 17. As we hear God's word, and especially today, every time it's always important, but today, Paul is wanting us to catch, to understand who we are as a community. And so, Ephesians chapter 2, 13 through 17, here's what Paul writes. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who's made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have plans, that you knew exactly from the found, before the foundation of the earth was laid, that you had a plan for a community of people. And Father, I pray this morning as we just listen to what Paul has to challenge us with of what you're up to, help us understand you. In Jesus' name, amen. You all may be seated. Y'all, there's sometimes things just come together for me. So first of all, today, to celebrate the Lord's table, on a day where we're going to look and see where Paul explains to us what is the church, what's God up to, I just thought that the timing of this is special because we didn't invent this. He gave that short little opportunity to remember that he gave his body, his broken, he poured out his blood for us. That simple little thing is done literally around the world in many, many different ways, languages. But God says, I want you to remember. But then secondly, I get to share this with a group of people that are really into education. Now, I could be in a lot of towns today. I mean, there's the seven big universities that I work with in my collegiate work. But you know, this one right here in Emporia, Kansas, this is the teacher place. And, you know, we're into education. We, I think it's very important. 
that we understand history, we understand math, we understand geography, we understand English. I'm going to do a little English work today. And so we learn stuff that's part of our lives, but I believe one of the places where we miss it is we're not learning or we, we fail to learn what's on God's heart for the church. Now, I was in Pratt last weekend, and on Saturday... We were out letting people know. We were just going door to door, just hanging an invitation to come to an event on doorknobs. And in Pratt, I walked by two churches that are now, they were abandoned for some time, but now one of them's a local residence. And I look on the pictures on the wall in the Pratt, the church there in Pratt, that was their old church. I walked by it. In fact, I didn't walk, I couldn't see a place to hang anything on it and somebody's living in it. And you know, most of us, probably not most, probably the vast majority of us in this room have got experience with church. You know, what happened in your youth? What happened in your childhood? You can think back to that place, and there's all kinds of things and experiences. They say today that the college, a lot of students are, you guys are kind of the next generation. Some of your generation, your church experience as a kid was not good. We're hearing everything that's going on today in the news about, especially in Pennsylvania, with what went on with the Catholic Church and the whole world, especially America. And now the world, because the Pope's gotten involved with that over the weekend with that resignation of that cardinal, the world's looking at the church and saying, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Now, I want you to know that when Paul is in that prison cell, and he's writing about what is the church. We're going to listen to a man that knows all the warts and the brokenness there can be in church. But I want us to catch how he guides us. First of all, Paul is in a pattern. Remember the seven rocket verbs? I said seven weeks going through what Paul wants to catch, wants us to understand about who God is. That God is a blesser. He's the one who chooses. He predestined us for adoption. He's the one who drenches us in His grace. He's lavished out on us. He makes things known and He ties it all up. Those seven things are His work. And Paul did a great job in the longest sentence in the New Testament, letting us know that. And then right after that, what did He do? He prays for us. And He says, I want the God of all of who that is who he is, I want him to open the eyes of our hearts so that we can know a few things. But the last thing he said, I want you to know, I want you to know the power of God that's in the resurrection. I want you to know the power of God that gave his son, his body was broken, he died for us, he was put in the grave, and that power of God brought him out of the grave. And that power of God is seen that he's now seated. He's put, he's put the Savior, he's put the Lord beside him and put everything underneath his feet. So there's no surprises. He's over it all. And then the last words of that chapter, chapter 1, the last words, and he gave him to the church. Paul's introducing who we are. He says he gave him to the church, that's the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills. God's 
God wants us to know that you all, we don't make this thing. This, what we've got together here, uh, by the way, excuse me, definition of church is an assembly of believers. So this morning, as we've pulled together in this room as an assembly or a group of people who believe what we just celebrated, we believe there's a God, there's a God who sent his son, that son died on the cross for us, we believe that, and we've agreed with him that we were sinful and separated, this group of us that are believers, he says, that's my body, and I'm going to fill you I am the, it's the fullness of him who fills. He's the filler, and he's going to fill all that we need in all of us. Filling the all in all. Great words. Lots of words. And then we start chapter 2. And that's where I just love the way God wants us to catch that he understands what he's dealing with. He's dealing with broken people. And that's where chapter 2, verse 1 He goes on to say, now, and you, you were dead. You were on the wrong path, and you've got the wrong DNA, and you've got the wrong one that you're following. Now, church, he came pretty clear about where we start. But then in verse 4, as Jordan brought to you, but God in his grace takes broken individuals and he brings us to a point of coming to know him. He brings us into relationship with him. For by what God's grace is, we're saved, not by what we do. And so Paul's done all that work to tell us who is God. Here's his pattern. Who is God? Who are we? Getting ready for the same thing. Who is God? What's he up to? And who are we? But he turned it around this time because last week, starting in verse 12... He uses some key word notes starting in verse 11. In verse 11, he uses the word remember, and he uses it twice. So he's writing to a church. Now we're talking about a group of people. We're not talking about individuals. We're talking about us. So he says, I want you to remember that one time you all, you all were separated. You had a bad name. You're called the uncircumcision, you all. And now remember That time you were separated from Christ, you were alienated, you're aliens, you're strangers to what God has, you have no hope, and you're without God. Now, you put those two lists together, we're not a really, really healthy bunch of people. We're dead, we're on the wrong path, we got the wrong DNA, we're alienated to everything God wants, we're separated from Him, we're without hope, and we don't know Him. Now, what a place to start. But I want you to know, that world that doesn't know him like you and I know him, they look at us and they call us hypocrites. They call us haters. That's a new word in our culture. You know, they're calling us haters. And I want you to know that what they see on the outside of the church, what they see evidenced, I mean, I'm going to have to say that what, what has happened, some of those times they say that, you're right. The church wasn't all that God wants it to be. But I want to tell you today, there's something going on inside of us. God is up to something. The one who says we are the fullness, the filler, the one who can fill us up. He says, I'm going to do some things. And bingo, one more time, five verbs. 
five active verbs of what he says. Again, we got nothing to do with it. He is the one who's at work. And so I tell you what, I'm big into church planning. I mean, I have a day job, and when I go away from here and I go do my day job, I'm talking about getting new things started, new churches. And as I've poured over this part of Ephesians, I'm realizing that, hey, I need to just cool my jets a little bit and realize that God is up to something bigger and faster and more glorious than we could ever put together in starting and planning communities of faith that are the body of Christ. And so, once again, we discover how God's at work, just like the seven rocket verbs. Now, I'm I'm not going to do one a week, okay? I'm going to do all five of them today. All five verbs that God is doing, we get that pattern again. And so now the first one, he's at work, verse 13. The first thing that God did to every one of us now as a community is he brought us near to him. I want you to know that what we're going to do at this mission celebration is so right in step of hearing the story of what God's doing of drawing people to himself. This room is filled with hundreds, when we all get in here, hundreds of stories of how God touched you on the shoulder, put his arm around you, got your attention. He was knocking on the door and you heard and you turned to him. Well, guess what, church family? That's where it started. He is the one who did the bringing. Now you came to him. You came to this group, this community of believers, but we got to remember that it starts with him. His plan is to bring broken people together. He's the one who brought us to him. One of the things that I've talked, Garen's already working. I was going to talk to Garen about this the other night in our deacons meeting, and Garen was in that. Talking about something that I think will be very healthy for the church is to hear the story of 12th Avenue. You've got a 50, is it a 50-year history? Close to 50 your history, and guess who gets worshipped in that? It's not you, it's not the names of people that are going to be on the wall or whatever. It's the Lord himself. As he calls out communities, it starts with him. He's the one that brings people near. And so just recognizing that when some people walk through these two doors, I want you to celebrate what God could be up to. You know, he could be bringing people into this community that uh, you may look at them and say, what in the world are you doing here for? Uh, Why are you sitting in in these chairs? I want us to remember in the very beginning, don't resist what God is up to because he's the bringer. We invite, we're going to, I mean, last Saturday, what was I doing? I was telling all kinds of people to come to something. But i got to believe behind all that is him who brings. The first verb that he is doing is he brought or he brings, present tense. The second one, verse 14. For he has made both of us one. Got to do a little history here. Paul is a Jew. 
He's called, he's the rock star. He's the number one. He's the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He may, he aced all the quizzes. I mean, his grade point was four plus in Pharisee school. And so you've got a man who's at the pinnacle of the priest, the, the Pharisee work, the scribe work of what they were doing in that Jewish community. And he says, I see God doing something. I see not only did he bring you, God made two one. Now, who's the other one? We've got the Jewish community. Now, he's writing to Ephesus. Now, Israel's way down here. Ephesus is on the coastline of Turkey. In fact, did you all know the guy who was released from prison, the Turk? He was in Ephesus. That's Izmir today. That city is still there. And so that's where the dude was in the very town that I'm talking about. He was a pastor there for a number of years and doing work with the people in present-day Ephesus. But Paul is writing to him. He says, now you people are totally different than I am. None of you have been to Pharisee school, but yet what God is up to is what was his plan from before the foundation of the earth was laid is that every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation are going to be a part of my kingdom. And he said, you can't do that on your own. You can't make two different peoples one. And he says, and that's what he's up to. He's not only bringing us to himself, secondly, for he is the one who has made both of us one. And then get, so he makes one, or he brings us and he builds us into one, and... Let's get to the third verb. And he's breaking down, or he's broken down, the dividing wall. Now, church family, I don't have to define this for you very, very hard. Our country is loaded with dividing walls. We got them everywhere. In fact, the new word I hear is tribe. Uh, after the whole thing that was going on with our Supreme Court, that whole thing. I heard him talk about this tribe and that tribe. And the, I mean, we we're just seeming to f- pull further and further and further apart from one another. And I wish I could say in our churches we get to see it, but I'll guarantee you what Jesus is up to, why he gave his life for us, is to break down those barriers that the red states have got with the blue states, that K State has with KU, that Kenya has with Tanzania. Dividing walls all around us. We broken humanity who are following the path of the evil one, who've got the wrong set of DNA, we want to make dividing walls. That's what we're up to, and we're pretty good at it. But guess what? There's a, there is a God who invites us to himself, and as we get into a relationship with him, he puts his arm around us as his church, and he says, now listen. I'm the one who can break down dividing walls. I can have Gentiles eating with Jews. I can have white American missionaries sitting down at the table with Zambian church leaders, and Christopher Mwanza puts his arm around me, and he says, John, let me tell you something. Eternity's a long time, and you better get used to sitting beside me because we're going to be together for a long, long time. No, Christopher Mwanza told me that about July of 1980. I was brand new in Africa, 
And I was just shocked at every, the way they ate, their culture, everything going on. And there was a bit of a division between the mission and the, the local churches. I'll never forget that day that Christopher just sat beside me, put his arm around me. He says, John, you better get used to it because we're going to be here for a long, long, long time. You see, our God is a God who breaks down those dividing walls and that our churches, what he's up to in us, if we'll let him do it, He's up to bringing different diversity people into relationship with one another that reflects the glory of God to a broken world. Now, I don't have the answers on how to do it. This is the invisible church. This is the part of church that's not bricks and mortar. This is the part of the church that's going on in the hearts of the people that come together in the name of Him. But we do know what Paul says he's up to. First of all, he's up to bringing us here. Secondly, he's up to making 2-1. Third, he's up to breaking down the dividing wall. The fourth thing that he's up to is he wants to create a new man. He wants to create a new humanity. Now, I wish I could take you up on the edge of the Turkana people. The Turkana are a really interesting group of people. All the, they're called Nilots. It's a group of African people, the Nilotics. And you know what? They hate each other. And you know why? Because they've been stealing cows from each other since when cows were created. I mean, <laughs> these two tribes, the Samburu, the, uh, the Turkanas, those are the two that are side by side. They can't stand each other. And now, in northern part of Kenya, southern part of Sudan, over there on the edge of Ethiopia. Those people are heavily armed. They're carrying AK-47. I mean, you go out there and like, everywhere you go, you see young kids with an AK-47 on their back. And when they go steal cattle, they don't do it anymore with whips or with bows and arrows. They're doing it with AK-47s. And people get killed. And they don't forget but I was up there sitting with a group of brand new Turkana leaders and they said it's time for us to go over to the Samburu and talk to them about being one people and forgetting what they owe us. You see, God is at work. We didn't create that. That's going on the Holy Spirit work in the hearts of people where they said we really do believe that we need to get over the, the offense that we've got against our brother, and that God wants to make us a new person. Well, I want to tell you, the, it didn't go as well as they thought. They talked together for a while, and I don't know the end of the story. That was 10 years ago when I was just getting ready to come back to the States. I was watching that begin to unfold. But the Holy Spirit is at work of making one new man out of the diversity of mankind. And that new man has him as our Lord. This is the kingdom of God. And here's what makes it happen. We all get our eyes on him. And when you get your eyes on him and all that he's done for me and all that he's done for you, I realize that my offense that I'm doing to you now goes through him. He is between you and me. And he took... What I'm offended with you about, he took that on himself. And my anger that I'm pouring out towards the other person, he's taking that anger. He is the one 
that is the glue that puts every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation together. He is up to making a new humanity. And finally, he reconciles us to God in verse 16. Reconciling means that he made, he now brings us to God with the forgiveness of our sin. He reconnects us with a God who we've been separated from. And we do that as a together people. It is all about him. And so, his work and our response. First of all, he brought us home. He's the one who did the bringing. Secondly, he made us or he brought us together. As we come to him, we come with other people. That's where I think in today's culture, marriage A Christian marriage shows something that the rest of the world doesn't get. They just don't understand how a husband and a wife can live together for 50, 45, 50, 55 years and grow more and more in love with one another because of who he is between them. He is the one who brings us together. Third, he breaks down that dividing wall. Fourth, he creates. And remember, let's don't forget who this this is. This is the creator. He's the one that spoke the world into being. He can do something that the rest of the world cannot do. In the church, he can create one new unified humanity, and he reconciles us to God. He brings us to him. And so I want to ask you, do you believe that? You see, we're people of faith. You see, this is, this is the filler, the one who wants to fill The fullness of him, he wants to fill us all that we need in all of us. And I believe that for him to do that, we've got to trust him. We've got to turn our faces more towards him and say, I don't understand. Uh, You know, I've got some serious feelings about this person over here or this group, this tribe. But God, you're the one who says you can do it. I believe you can do it. You see, that's the invisible church that Paul is writing to Ephesus about. And I want to ask you, do you want to be a part of that? To do that, we're going to have to keep our eyes focused on him. We can look at all the dividing wall. I'll guarantee you. That's what the world, it just seems the media is just blasting us with more and more and more of here's the division. But I think if we put our eyes on him and say, God, this is something you got to create. We can't do it. Can you do that with believers on that side, believers on this side, and that wall disappears and we become a united, unified people with his mark on us? In chapter 4, Paul says, I want to urge you to walk, therefore, in that manner, in that way that's worthy of all that he's doing, where we're maintaining the unity of the Spirit that he's up to in us. And I want to invite, to invite you to consider doing that today. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. You tell us this is what you're up to. This is what you say is the invisible part of the church. And Father, we've got many, many, many examples of where we don't see that. But God, I pray that just as Paul prayed, that the eyes of our hearts would be opened. We could be enlightened people who could see the power of your spirit doing that. 
And I pray we could see that right here inside 12th Avenue Baptist Church. That you would get the glory. You would be known more and more because of the way you transform us into what you are leading us to be. We ask that you would do that for your name's sake. For we pray in your son's name. Amen. Well, church family, this morning I want to introduce two new members, or two groups first. Lori, Lori Cuellar. Lori's here. And Gary and Sandy Laux. If Lori, Gary, and Sandy, if you all be back there, we as a church family want to come by and welcome you to be a part of our family today. And I have a benediction. So if you all would stand. Romans 15. As Paul ends his letter to that church in Rome, here's what he writes to them. Kind of some of the same thing. He says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, go be the church.